You're listening to another Paleo Runner podcast, a podcast helping you find better ways to live, run, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. Today, I'm here with Stephanie Godreau. She blogs at stupideasypaleo.com, and her latest book is The Performance Paleo Cookbook, Tips for Recipes for Training Harder, Getting Stronger, and Gaining the Competitive, competitive Edge. Stephanie, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. So, Stephanie, tell me a little bit about how you got interested in paleo in the first place. Oh, uh, okay. So it was 2009 and I was racing mountain bikes at the time. And a friend of mine uh, said, hey, I'm going to try this thing called the paleo diet. And this is what it's about and kind of described what it was. And to me at the time as a cyclist, it sounded like a complete departure from the way I was used to eating, you know, I was eating a lot of grains and a lot of like way heavy on carbs and probably not enough protein. <laughs> and uh, so I, I was curious and I had heard about gluten-free diets, but I had never really heard of paleo. So I went ahead and read The Paleo Diet for Athletes by Dr. Cordain and Joe Friel. And that really kind of gave me some background and information. And I marked a date on my calendar to start and had my holiday fun <laughs> at the end of 2009 and started in January of 2010. So that's how I heard about it. And, uh, and so I've been paleo ever since then. Okay. So what were some of the improvements that you saw after going paleo? Um, I mean, why, why did you want to switch so bad in the first place? You know, I think I had a lot of, you know, I was, I was a generally healthy person. I mean, I wouldn't consider myself sick or dealing with a lot of, you know, I wasn't dealing with any kind of chronic illnesses, but I definitely had some things that were kind of troubling me. Um, I would always have kind of mood swings and low blood sugar and about three o'clock every day, I'd be driving home and kind of like getting drowsy and falling asleep and feeling tired. I had, um, I had some digestive issues that, you know, again, like I, I would never say it was to the point that it was debilitating or, or kind of a chronic illness I was dealing with, but I always just kind of felt like something wasn't right. And I think a lot of times folks go through this stuff where they're like, you know, overall, I, I guess I'm generally pretty healthy, but they deal with things that are nagging and annoying. And they know it's not right, but they're like, well, that's just how I am. And, and that's kind of what happened with me. I just kind of chalked it up to being, well, that's just how I am. And, um, when I went paleo, I saw a reversal of pretty much everything that was bothering me in terms of, you know, these little health complaints that I had. Wow. That's fantastic. So how long did it see, did it take for you to start to see some of those improvements? You know, I guess at the time I wasn't expecting necessarily to, see anything happen. I was just kind of trying it to, to see what would happen. Um, I think it was probably within a couple of months, you know, I really started to see that my energy levels leveled out and then improved. Right. So I wasn't seeing that, that drop in energy throughout the day. Um, I was sleeping better. My digestion started to kind of get back on track. So it was probably a couple months before I started to see changes that I was really noticing and, and that became long lasting. Wow, that's fantastic. So what at what point did you start saying, um, I want to start blogging about this and helping other people? I always, well, I had a, a blog before then, and it was to kind of chronicle my training and my races and all the adventures that I was going on as a cyclist. And I would invariably put recipes on there 
just because I like to cook. And so every once in a while, I'd put recipes on my personal blog. And some friends of mine, after I went paleo and I started to post more about food, they said, well, why don't you just start a food blog? <laughs> so I kind of said, all right. And, uh, and that's how Stupid Easy Paleo began. So I was paleo for about a year and a half before I officially started blogging on Stupid Easy Paleo. But uh, it was kind of a natural transition considering I was doing so much blogging about food and recipes on my other on my other blog and I think I've I had some recipes that never got transferred over and stuff but that became the beginnings of stupid easy paleo back in uh, back in the fall of 2011 okay so you're you're a cyclist uh, or you were are you still doing uh, endurance type cycling what kind of activities do you do you typically do for exercise and fitness yeah so I actually stepped away from the world of cycling in 2012. I was dealing with some chronic back pain and some stuff like that and a little bit of burnout, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I was doing a lot of really long distance endurance uh, type racing at the time. I was doing anywhere from 6 to 12 to 24 hour races and putting in lots and lots of time on the weekend. And so um, in 2010, I actually started doing CrossFit as a way to try to improve my cycling. and get stronger and it worked. I mean, I for sure got stronger. I was improving my times um, on races that I had done in the past. And I just decided that I was a little bit tired of riding <laughs> as, as one can get when that's your only main uh, activity. And so I decided to take some time off of the bike and I saw that my back got better and, um, yeah, I had some stuff that changed in my life and, um, I did a little bit of moving around, and so I just decided to, to put my to hang up my bike for a while and um, try my hand at CrossFit and see how I did there. And I actually started to compete in the CrossFit world. And then uh, last year, I kind of transitioned over just to weightlifting. So right now, I'm a competitive weightlifter, and and that's my number one sport. Um, so it it allows me to still test myself and to to get out there and compete. But it's just a it's a different venue than when I used to go out and race bikes. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, as an endurance athlete, I, I think I would miss some of those uh, lonely hours out on, on running if, if I had to give up running. Um, do you ever miss going out for those long rides? You know, um, I always tell people I've seen so many amazing places from the seat of a bike, probably places that I never would have seen if I was even on foot or, you know, if I had never just gone out on the trails. And so every once in a while, I get really nostalgic about <laughs> times that I've been out there. And, you know, you really get that sense of um, yourself. You learn a lot about yourself when you're out there for those long hours. And I mean, the, the long races that I've done, you go through so, so many emotions, right? Like there's excitement, there's sadness, there's um, loneliness, and then there's elation. There's just all these different feelings that you experience. And it's been interesting. I've really been able to to find some of those moments when I'm training now. It's just a different venue. But um, but I do miss out, miss out sometimes and I miss going out and just kind of uh, seeing nature and, and being out there. That's really um, kind of where I would find a lot of spirituality actually is, is just being out and, and enjoying what nature has to offer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Have you noticed yeah. that you've had to change your diet at all since going from uh, more endurance based to more um, power based? 
You know, I've changed a couple things and certainly over five years, a lot has changed and I've played around with a lot of different kind of paradigms of eating within a paleo template. I've done lower carb, I've done higher carb, I've done, you know, I've had times where I've paid attention to my protein intake and times where I've just kind of gone into a more intuitive kind of eating. And um, like, I think when I was you know, I, I wasn't exactly paying attention to this stuff, I think, way back when, when I had first started. But I think when I at first started doing paleo and I was racing bikes, um, I think I was probably too low on the carb scale um, for the type of stuff that I was doing, even though I wasn't going out of my way to avoid eating carbohydrates. I think I was probably a little bit low. Um, now, actually, I eat a, t- a little bit higher in carb content um, and higher protein. So, I really have to pay attention to my protein intake as a strength athlete, um, just being able to maintain the muscle mass to move the types of weights that I'm training for. I really need to make sure that I've got enough, uh, I've got enough protein on board. So I've, I've experimented kind of with every feasible combination you could probably think of within a, a paleo type template. Okay. Well, yeah. so for people who might just be picking up this podcast for the first time, tell me a little bit about what you mean by paleo. What does that mean to you? Um, it To me, it means eating high-quality, nutrient-dense food, foods that help to fight inflammation. And as athletes, we're always dealing with inflammation above and beyond, I think, what normal people deal with. Um, eating foods that are going to provide the energy for training. And so what that looks like to me is – Meat, seafood, and eggs. Lots of veggies. Probably more veggies than uh, than you could ever think of eating, because um, I don't think you can get too many of those. Right. And then you know, not uh, not avoiding fruit, but knowing your individual tolerances there, and um, and healthy fats, and embracing how those can be uh, a well rounded part of a of a healthy diet. Okay, and you know, I'd like to hit on something you mentioned. You've you've gone a little higher on the carb scale. So, what are mm-hmm. some of those healthy carbs that you're fitting into your diet? Yeah, um, I don't have a problem with white potatoes, so I eat white potatoes. I, you know, make sure they're peeled and and cooked correctly, and I enjoy white potatoes. Um, I'll, I'll say I I don't think French fries are or chips are the ideal way to get those in your diet, but. You know, for people who are who are high energy, who are training a lot and need that carb, especially that carb uh, refuel, that glycogen refuel after their training, it can be hard to get enough with just saying like, oh, I'm going to have some, um, I'm going to eat some butternut squash. Like that's a great vegetable. It's got a little bit more carb density than some, you know, leafy greens and other types of, of even carb dense veggies. But you know, the, the types of things that I like to embrace are white potatoes, sweet potatoes, plantains. Um, I play around with yucca every now and then. Um, so just like trying to get a variety because I don't know about you. I love sweet potatoes, but sometimes I get really sick of them. (laughs) You know, they're kind of the quintessential paleo carbohydrate and they're amazing and they're nutrient dense, but there are so many other nutrient dense veggies as well. Um, and a lot of times people think, Oh, potatoes are Potatoes don't have any nutrients in them, which is completely incorrect. They're just diff- they have a different nutrient profile. Um, and certainly, if you're sensitive to nightshades or you're still trying to deal with some blood sugar regulation, you know that might not be the best option for you. So it's all about kind of exploring what works well for people um, here and there. 
And, you know, I, I guess maybe I'm sort of the black sheep of, of the paleo like performance community, but I think white rice for some folks is actually really great for a post-workout carb refuel if they tolerate it well. And, you know, again, they're not dealing with blood sugar regulation issues. As far as grains go, it's, you know, gluten-free, basically harmless grain for most people. And again, it, it all depends on the individual. Some people react really poorly to, to white rice and the type of blood sugar spikes that they get from it. But, um, you know, in terms of people who are really busy and they're just trying to, to fuel up and make sure they get a little bit of uh, glycogen post-workout, I think it's actually a decent option if they're including lots of other nutrient-dense carbs and veggies throughout the day. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I'm definitely on board with that, with the white rice and the white potatoes. I love white potatoes. Um, you know, sweet potatoes are fine, but white potatoes are my favorite. And you have this great recipe here. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, um, it's it's uh, roasted potatoes with duck fat. Um, I mean, that just looks delicious. Where do you get the duck fat? Um, I got mine from Whole Foods. So you can usually find it at most major retailers. I know there are some online retailers that sell it as well. I think Fatworks is one. Um, but any, you know, any fat will work there, but there's just something magical about the combination of duck fat and potatoes that <laughs> can't be denied. <laughs> it's yeah. really good. And adding, adding some of those fats and, uh, you know, when you include white rice or white potatoes in a meal, it can, uh, along with fats and acids, it can actually help lower, uh, the blood sugar insulin spike that you'll get afterwards. So if you're concerned sure. with that, yeah, just throw in some duck fat or butter. Yeah. Um, so tell me, I mean, what was this book? What was it like creating this book? If uh, you guys are interested, you really need to check this out. I'll have a link to it on Amazon, but it's got some great pictures in here. Tell me about just the process of creating all these different recipes. Are, are, did you have to create all new recipes or are they taken from your blog? Um, my publisher gave me the stipulation that 95% of the recipes in the book had to be original and, and never appear on the blog. So... <laughs> Like I couldn't just reprint half of my blog and put it into a book. And, and I, I appreciate that. And I totally, you know, I understand folks that may be followers of the blog. They want something that's unique and something that's different. So I had to essentially set out to create about 95 new recipes, which meant I cleaned out my draft archive on my blog of ideas. I, I, you know, sometimes I have ideas and I don't ever develop them into recipes. So I'll just go ahead and put a title on the blog and it sits there in draft for ages and ages. So I did that. Some of the recipes I, you know, I borrowed inspiration from my own recipes and changed up flavor profiles or added ingredients to make it a new and unique dish. But, um, you know, it's hard. You can't, I didn't want to make a book that had 50 chicken recipes and like 50 ways to make sweet potatoes. So I had to basically make a spreadsheet and I, I tried to keep track of how many different proteins I had added and tried to add in as much variety as possible and really give people, you know, those staple familiar proteins and, and vegetables and carbs, but also, you know, push people's comfort zones just a little bit and include things that are maybe they hadn't heard of or they hadn't ever tried before just to, you know, inc in increase the diversity of the recipes. But, um, but writing a book is hard <laughs> and, 
you know, you can't, it's not like a blog post where sometimes I'll put a recipe up and I realize, wow, I actually should adjust that ingredient. And so you can just go back in and edit your blog post. You can't do that with a book, um, you know, in general. So it's a little bit more pressure to make sure everything is working together and the recipe is exactly how you want it to be. And it's written up in a way that's clear and easy to follow. And then, of course, um, taking all the photos <laughs> afterwards. So it was definitely a, a labor of love. And I really tried to make it something that people would find useful because a lot of the things that people ask me all the time, like, what do I eat pre-workout? What do I eat post-workout? What if I work out before I eat breakfast? Like, I really tried to give people the tools in the book um, that they could say, all right, well, you know, I read your ebook, uh, or I've, you know, I kind of have an idea about how I need to fuel myself and what I want to attempt. But now, you know, I can't just snap my fingers and somebody's going to cook for me. In most cases, I still have to go shopping and go get into my kitchen and make the food. So I really try to give people that resource that they could say, okay, like I know what I need to do. Now I need to get into the kitchen and, and actually cook for myself because most of us are cooking at home a majority of the time when we're trying to just eat better and um, really fuel our endeavors. Mm -hmm. So give our listeners a little bit of an idea of what you've had to eat so far today. Um, so far today I've had coffee and some uh, heavy cream and that's like what I drink in the morning. And then my breakfast is um, or was a can of wild caught salmon with some sweet potato and some kale like just some kind of kale mixed in there. Um, some olive oil on top of that, some lemon just to give it a little bit more flavor and usually some kind of berries. So today blueberries. Okay. How about the rest of the, of the day? What do you have? What are you planning on having for dinner? <laughs> I need, I need to go shopping. <laughs> uh, I was away at a meet yesterday, so I, I wasn't normally Sundays is, is, when I meal prep, right? So I, I do a bunch of prep. And even though I work from home now, I still try to do my meal prep because I, you know, you get busy and, and you want to be able to just reach into the fridge and pull something out. So I definitely need to go shopping. I'll be picking up some chicken, probably some pork tenderloin. Um, and just, you know, like I said, as many veggies as I can shake a stick at. I really like to make soup in the evening. That's kind of my go-to meal. So I'll usually do some chicken. I make some bone broth throughout the week. And then I, I just throw different things in there, different veggies. Um, maybe sometimes I'll do like garlic and ginger and just try to, to flavor it up and, you know, have a good, like kind of nourishing, satisfying meal as the last meal of the day. Gotcha. Are there any yeah. tools in the kitchen that you found that are especially helpful for, you know, when you're busy and on the go as far as making easy meals? Yeah, um, I think... The cleanup portion of cooking is a, is daunting for a lot of people and really makes them not want to get into the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think a good cast iron skillet is awesome because it goes from the stovetop into the oven. You can do lots of things just are like one pot meals in a, in a cast iron skillet. So I definitely have one of those. Um, Super sharp knife. <laughs> you know, I usually use the basics, a really sharp knife. Um, it makes prepping food that much easier. You're not struggling with it. Um, and a really good quality blender. So we have a Vitamix. I threw down 
the money like three years, three or four years ago, and I still have the same blender. Um, it works amazing. I can do homemade mayo. I can make a protein shake. I, you know, puree uh, soups. Like it does everything. So we do, uh, my husband does a lot of green like juices, but we don't strain the the fiber out. We just blend it all like a kind of like a green smoothie almost. And so we do a lot of that in there. And, and that thing is a lifesaver. So it's a bit of an investment, but we use it every single day. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I just, I got, um, not a Vitamix, but something similar to that. And, um, I've been able to make some hot soups in there. So that's been a lot of fun for me lately. Yeah. Do you have any tips for people listening who are interested in getting into this and just getting started? I mean, how did you, how do you initially go about this? It's for a lot of people, it's kind of a radical change to even just start cooking at home. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I mean, when you're used to eating out a lot or, you know, you're used to kind of your, your staples, um, you know, like your pasta heavy dishes and things like that, it can be a huge adjustment in your mindset to say, well, how am I going to make this work? One of my favorite things is to look for ways to take your favorite recipes that aren't paleo and make them paleo. So if you are making a soup, for example, and it's got Um, milk or cream use coconut milk instead but you're still keeping the template of that that meal the same right like it's still the same basic ingredients you're just going to make it dairy free or if you're uh you know you're you have a favorite pasta dish that you make all the time substitute out something like zucchini noodles or um you know, some kind, something like spaghetti squash. So look for ways to take the fav- your favorite recipes that you're already comfortable with and just tweak them a little bit and make them gluten-free or grain-free or dairy-free. And, and that way you don't have to reinvent your wheel. Um, my other kind of favorite thing to tell people is like pick two or three re- websites that are your go-to. Like doesn't even have to be mine, <laughs> um, but pick two or three websites that you're comfortable with that person's style, it works well for you if they're like family oriented or they do um, smaller portions. I know a lot of people are single or there's just two people and they don't want, you know, something that can feed a family of six. So seek out websites or blogs that are that work well with your style and don't overdo it. Like I know some people want to pin like everything from every blogger and they, they don't end up finding somebody um, whose style meshes with their lifestyle and, or they end up getting really overwhelmed. So pick two or three people that you can use as your go-to and and kind of stick with that until you decide, Hey, that's just not working. Um, And then I would say probably the third thing is to institute like a batch prepping day. Like I call it your big, your big weekly cookup. So that could be, if you have the weekend off, pick a weekend day where you're relaxed. You can spend a couple hours in the kitchen. You're not running around like crazy and um, get some meals thrown into the freezer or uh, get, you know, like a, a big pot of soup done up like you were mentioning. Um, cook a bunch of chicken, cook a half a dozen sweet potatoes or roast off some potatoes. Like just get yourself set for the week ahead. And that way you're not having to cook fresh every single night. I know some people really love that. They're into that. They're like, hey, like cooking is my jam and I just want to get in the kitchen and experiment. But for a lot of people, let's be honest, if you're an athlete, you're already spending a lot of time training. You're probably working a regular full-time job, (laughs) right? You've got maybe a family. So your time is limited. And to have to expect that you're going to cook something fresh 
and not use leftovers every night or even components of a dish that you've had prepped um, can be a huge, it can be like so overwhelming. People don't even want to start. So I would say like, you know, roast a couple chickens on the weekend. You can pull off the meat as you're going through the first couple days of the week, make like a chicken salad or throw it into a soup and then use those bones to make soup for later in the week. Like look for ways to kind of roll dishes or roll food ahead um, and make new things out of it. And that can take away some of the anxiety. Yeah, definitely. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for giving uh, our listeners those fanta- that fantastic advice. And I, I encourage everyone to check out your blog at stupideasypaleo.com. And this cookbook, uh, Performance Paleo Cookbook, it's, been, it's a beautiful cookbook with lots of pictures. And uh, yeah, check that out as well. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks so much. I appreciate it.